listening to Matt Loves Cameras. In this third episode of Matt Loves Cameras, I'm reviewing the first fully analogue camera from Fujifilm that takes square instant film, the Instax Square SQ6. Here's a trivia question for you. Do you know the key difference between Polaroid film and Instax film? Now, I'm not talking about the country of origin. I'm not talking about the different sizes of the photos. What is the fundamental difference in terms of how the two films develop? If you don't know, keep listening and find out. If you do know, keep listening anyway. I'm Matt Murray, and this is Matt Loves Cameras. Hey, how are you doing? Season's greetings to you wherever you are listening to this podcast around the world. I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. I'm recording this episode on the 28th of December, so just after the big day. It's been nice and warm today here in Brisbane. Not too hot though, thankfully. Uh, About a week ago, it was super hot and very humid, so I'm glad that it cooled down a little bit. Just to recap about the podcast... I'm Matt Murray. I'm a photographer and camera enthusiast from sunny Brisbane in Australia. In many episodes of the podcast, such as today's, I will review a different film or instant camera, telling you about its history, its features, what it's like to use, and what kind of photos you can expect from it. You can see the images I took with the cameras on the show's website, mattlovescameras.com, as well as the show's Instagram, at mattlovescameras. In today's episode, the camera I am reviewing is the first fully analog Instax camera from Fujifilm that takes square film, the SQ6. So let's kick off today's episode with a brief history of Instax and instant integral film. Now, in an upcoming episode, I will summarize the whole Polaroid Kodak Fujifilm story, but for now, I'll give you a brief overview of how it relates to the history of Instax. Now, before Integral Film, Polaroid, who had, of course, had developed instant film in the first place, had used instant roll film and pack film for their cameras. And from 1963 until 1969, Kodak had produced instant film for Polaroid. But then in 1972, Edward Land, the founder of Polaroid, showed off the beautiful, iconic SX-70 folding LAN camera, which used Integral Instant Film, the first camera in the world to do so. Now, the Integral Film from Polaroid had 10 images in the cartridge, along with a battery that powered the camera, and a single Polaroid photograph contained all the layers needed to expose, develop, and fix the photo. This was quite revolutionary. Polaroid Integral Film develops from the front of the photo. This is why Polaroid cameras have a reflex mirror inside them. It's needed to reverse the image onto the film. When Kodak saw the SX-70 and the Polaroid Integral Film, they set to work on their own instant integral film with one key difference. They created their film to develop from the rear of the photograph, doing away with the need to have a mirror inside the camera. 
So that is the key difference between how the different photographs develop. Polaroid photographs develop from the front of the image and Kodak and then later Fujifilm images develop from the rear of the image. Polaroid launched legal action against Kodak for patent infringements and to cut a very long story short, Polaroid won, Kodak discontinued their cameras and instant film. In the aftermath of this legal case, Fujifilm reached an agreement with Polaroid to manufacture and distribute their instant films as long as they stayed out of some territories such as the USA until the original patents expired in the mid-1990s. Fujifilm started their own line of instant films in the early 1980s, but instant film wasn't as popular in Japan as it was in other parts of the world. Some people say this is because Japanese consumers did not like the Polaroid emulsions. They wanted something that looked a bit more realistic in terms of colours. So Fujifilm improved colour balance and the tonal range in their instant films for their market. Of course, there's another small difference between the integral films. Nothing to do with how the film develops, but it's actually how the camera is powered. Of course, with the Polaroid integral films, there's a battery in the film cartridge which powers the camera. Kodak developed their original um, integral film without batteries in the cartridge. They put the batteries in the camera and Fujifilm later did the same thing. They put their batteries in the camera and left the batteries out of the film cartridge. And this is something which Polaroid Originals have just recently started doing as well with, for their new cameras, the One Step 2 and the One Step Plus. So if you buy Polaroid iType film, that has no battery in. And so you can only use iType film in the newer Polaroid Originals cameras. You can't use them in the classic Polaroid cameras. Fast forward to 1998. This was the year that Instax Minifilm and cameras were released, with Instax Wide being released in 1999, one year later. Over the last 20 years, Instax has been one of Fujifilm's cash cows. It's been said that sales of instant film have bankrolled Fujifilm's X-Series digital camera lineup, which lost money in the first few years. Of course, another cash cow that Fujifilm had there in their transition from being a film company to being a more diversified company was cosmetics. Yes, Fujifilm are a big manufacturer of cosmetics. They took their know-how in terms of chemical processes, making film, and applied it to the manufacture of cosmetics and have made a ton of money doing so. In mid-2017, the third format was released, Instax Square, and by the end of 2017, there were widespread reports that legal action between Fujifilm and Polaroid could take place over the shape of Instax Square, which looks essentially, some people say, like a smaller version of Polaroid's classic integral film. So the first camera launched for Instax Square Film was the SQ10, which was a hybrid camera. So what essentially this was, it was a digital camera with an inbuilt 
Instax Square printer, basically, is what it was. So you could use the, f- the camera in two modes. You could use it like a normal instant camera. So you press the shutter and an image would pop out. But again, it was taking an, a digital photo and printing it. Or you could turn that feature off and you could keep taking as many digital photos as you wanted to and then just print out the ones you wanted to print out. Sounds like a handy feature, but I actually bought the camera and then sold it because to me it was a fundamentally different experience in terms of shooting uh, than I was used to with instant cameras. And unfortunately, there was no easy way to use the SQ10 as just a printer. Fujifilm have also released the SP3, which is an Instax Square printer. And they've also released, just recently, after the SQ6, they released the SQ20, an updated version of the SQ10. So let's talk about the three sizes of Instax film. And there is some commonality amongst them. So I'll just be talking now about the image size. So this isn't the complete photograph with the border. This is just the bit in the middle, the film itself. So Instax Mini, it has a long edge of 62 millimeters. Instax Wide has a short edge of 62 millimeters. And Instax Square is, you guessed it, 62 millimeters by 62 millimeters. So they all have that in common, that one sort of um, size, they do have that in common, even though they're all different sizes. Now, if you lay a Instax Wide down on a table, which I just did, you can actually fit on top perfectly to Instax Minis. So Instax Mini is half the size of an Instax Wide and Instax Square is mm, somewhere in between the Mini and the Wide. Now in my hand, I have a Polaroid 600 photograph and an Instax Square photo. And the Instax Square is probably, let's have a look, maybe 70, 75% of the image area of the Polaroid. So it's kind of a mini version by the look of it um, of the Polaroid. And I'll put the Instax Square down. And if you look at the Instax Wide and the Polaroid, they look completely different shapes. But what happens is when you overlay them over each other, they're actually very, very similar in size, would you believe? They've got the border in different sizes of the photograph, which is probably why they look like completely different shapes. But in terms of size, they are very, very similar once you overlay them on each other. So how did I get my Fujifilm SQ6? Well, I wandered into JB Hi-Fi, which is a big chain of electrical retailers here in Australia, and it was selling for $199. It was Father's Day coming up. I think it was just before early September when I when I got it, and I thought, why not buy myself a present from the kids, even though they don't know what they're buying me? Uh, so the SQ6 was selling for $199. I asked the sales assistant if they were ever on sale, which is probably wishful thinking because they'd just been released. She said, not really. And then she looked up on the system and she said, oh, look, the best price I can do you is $184. And I was pretty happy that she just instantly gave me $15 off. So I agreed to it straight away. Uh, While I was there, I saw some black frame Instax mini film. And since I didn't have any, I grabbed some of that. 
And as I was on my way to the counter to pay, uh, another sales assistant ran up and said, oh, sir, you've, you've got the wrong film for your camera, uh, which was very nice of her to do so. But then I explained that um, I have all sorts of Instaxes. Uh, is that a word, Instaxes? Uh, so I was, I was okay. I wasn't going to try and shove the mini film in the SQ6. So that was in September, uh, early September. It's since it's come down to about $189 here in Australia. And in the Boxing Day sales, I see that you could actually get one for around $160, which was a great price. Now, when I bought my SQ6, there were only three colors. So there was graphite gray, blush gold, and pearl white. Uh, I didn't really want the blush gold one, so it was between graphite gray and pearl white, and I chose pearl white because I thought that looked the nicest. Now, a couple of months later, I see there are two new colors. The first color is aqua blue. Now, this is the one that I definitely would have gone for if it was available at the time, but unfortunately it wasn't. And the other one is a nice ruby red. Now, there is a sixth version of the camera. It's a special edition of the camera, which costs more money than the regular SQ6s. It's called the Taylor Swift SQ6. Personally, I think it looks horrendous. Uh, It's black and gold. It has writing and signatures all over it. To be fair, though, I am not the target market for this camera, which probably explains why I don't like it. The target market, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess it is people a lot younger than me who like Taylor Swift. So that's fine. I, I hope this camera, the Taylor Swift one, I don't like the look of it but I hope it uh, encourages lots of young people to get out there and try instant photography. And I hope Fujifilm sell a bucket load of them to increase their profit margins so they can keep developing amazing products. So let's talk about the camera specs of the Fujifilm SQ6. It features automatic exposure control. The lens is in two groups, two elements. The focal length of the lens is 65.75 millimeters and has the equivalent of a 32mm angle of view in full frame terms. It has an f12.6 lens. And the shutter speeds are controlled automatically, and they range from 1.6 seconds to 1 400th of a second. The lens adjusts to three fixed focus ranges, the 30 to 50 centimeters, which is for selfies and for macro shots, The auto setting is 50 centimeters to two meters and the landscape setting is from two meters to infinity. The film developing time is approximately 90 seconds according to the manual, although that can vary depending on the ambient temperature of where you are. Here in sunny Brisbane, I found that the uh, time for the development of a photo was probably uh, just over 60 seconds. So it was a bit quicker than the, uh, the 90 seconds they say in the manual. Now the camera is powered by two CR2 batteries. So when you open up the battery compartment and I'm just gonna open that up now, I actually thought I'd broken the camera or broken the battery door because the battery door comes completely off. And I'm used to a lot of cameras where they have a hinge and it sort of just opens up. But this one, it comes completely off, it's not broken. Inside the battery compartment, there are two CR2 lithium batteries. Uh, They ship with the camera and they go snugly into the camera body there. Now the batteries are said to last for around 30 packs of film, which is 300 shots. 
that will probably vary though, depending on how many times you use the flash or how many times you do double exposures and stuff like that. Um, so that's a guide that it's going to do 30 packs of film. Now, on a couple of different reviews for this camera before I bought it, uh, a couple of different reviews from very well-known sites said that you could charge the camera via USB. Now, I don't know where this has come from because I've read the manual, I've searched the manual, I've had a look at the camera. There is no cable shipped with the camera. There is no USB port or charging port. And the batteries inside the camera are CR2 lithium batteries. So as far as I know, this is not true. You cannot charge the camera via USB, um, despite the fact that there's a couple of reviews out there that say that to the contrary. Um, it's not a big deal. I mean, you know, should Fujifilm have given you rechargeable batteries in this camera? Maybe, probably. But hey, they've given you single-use um, CR2 lithium batteries. And after 30 packs of film, you'll have to replace them. So what's in the box? There's the camera, there's the batteries, there's a strap. The strap is quite well made. It's kind of leather and it's quite nice. It's very, very similar to the uh, Fujifilm X-Series straps, which ship with their X-Series cameras like the X-T3 and X-E1 and all those kind of cameras. Um, what else is there? There is three color filters. So these are little pieces of plastic that snugly fit over the flash. So there's a green one, a red one, and a purple one. And therefore doing artistic kind of, you know, images with different colored flash there. Also in the box is a manual, which is quite big as it's in several different languages. Check out the show notes at mattlovescameras.com. If you're on Instagram, come say hi at mattlovescameras. Or if you fancy getting in touch, drop us a line at mattlovescameras at gmail.com. So looking at the camera, uh, right on top of the camera is the on-off switch, which is a white button on this particular version, the, the pearl white. There's also the slot where the film ejects from. On the front of the camera, on the top right, you have the flash lamp face, and that is where you attach or sort of push the colored little pieces of plastic filters over if you want to use them. On the left-hand side, upper part of the front of the camera, you have the viewfinder, and right next to the viewfinder is the self-timer lamp, so you can do images on self-timer with this camera. Directly under that is the shutter button, which is yeah fairly sort of big and sort of nice size. When you turn the camera on, which I will now, on the front of the lens there, well, you've got the lens at the front, obviously. Uh, you've also got the auto exposure light sensor window and the flash sensor window. And to the right of the lens, you have the self-portrait mirror. So if you want to do a selfie, it's a tiny little mirror there, which sort of helps you out there, which is great. On the bottom of the camera, there is a tripod socket. I'll just turn the camera off. There we go. So you can mount the SQ6 on a tripod. Uh, on the back of the camera, you have the, the door for putting the film in. You have the battery compartment, which I've already spoke about. You've got the viewfinder you look through to, to line your shot up. 
and you've got a few buttons there on how to operate the camera. So there's a mode button to cycle through the different modes. There's a flash override switch, so you can turn that on if you want to turn the flash off. And there's also the self timer button as well. So ergonomics, it's easy to load film into the camera. Like all Instax cameras, there is a yellow mark on the film pack. So when you open up the foil, you take out the black film pack and there's a yellow sort of line on the back of the film and you open up the camera and you line up the two yellow lines and that's how you put the film in. So it's, it's pretty foolproof. You press the shutter once, I'll turn the camera on and press the shutter once and out comes the dark slide. That's the dark black piece of plastic material which protects the light sensitive film before it goes into the camera. So the camera is pretty compact when turned off uh, and when you turn on the camera it springs out. The camera is quite comfortable to hold. Uh, the shutter button is on the front and it's, you know, it's pretty fun and easy to take photos with. However, a couple of people I gave the camera to did mistake the on-off button on top of the camera for the shutter button. Um, so the shutter button is on the front of the camera and the on-off button is on the top. And um, yeah, people got a bit confused and they didn't realize which one was which. Or they, they didn't even see the shutter button, actually. So yeah, that's a bit of a, a bit of a usability thing maybe there. So the SQ6 camera modes. So there's different camera modes which you can cycle through by pressing the mode button on the back of the camera. So the first one is the automatic mode and that's uh, designated by an A. There's a row of icons on the back of the camera, at the top of the back of the camera and just near where the film comes out. So the first one is A, that's for automatic and that is for taking photos from 50 centimeters to two meters away which is used probably for a variety of common shooting situations uh, like taking photos of your friends or your family you press mode button again and it goes on to the the next camera mode which is the selfie mode and when you do that you can actually see and hear the camera adjust to take pictures in this mode as it's a different fixed focus range so just a reminder there are three fixed focus ranges for the camera uh, 30 to 50 centimeters which is selfie and macro auto 50 centimeters to two meters and the landscape one is two meters to infinity so yeah, you press it, um, press it onto selfie and it adjusts itself and then you can turn it around and using the little mirror on the front, you can look at, make sure you're in the image and press the shutter button and you've got a selfie. Now I actually took a couple of selfies with my missus a few weeks ago. Now the first time I took one, I accidentally took it in auto mode. Um, it actually, the photo actually turned out really nicely though. I really like it. Um, and I like it because me and the missus look great, but we're actually in front of a Christmas tree and the, the film, the camera must have used a slow shutter speed because the lights on the Christmas tree behind us were all like blurred sort of little trails. So uh, immediately realizing my error, I then put the camera into selfie mode and took another one, which must have had a faster shutter speed. Because if you look at that photo, and I'll put these photos up on the on the, uh, the website, mattlovescameras.com, the, the second one in selfie mode, it had a much faster shutter speed because the lights were sharp. Well, not sharp, but they weren't, they weren't blurred, is what I'm trying to say. So that was kind of interesting. The next mode along is macro mode, so the camera doesn't adjust its uh, focal sort of range there, it just keeps it at the same one. 
So macro mode obviously is for taking images close up of objects. Now you just need to watch out here for parallax error. So that is the viewfinder is in the top right of the camera when you're holding it and the lens is in the middle. So if you're taking an image of something really close up and it looks perfect through the viewfinder, it almost certainly will not be perfect when you press the shutter button and the image ejects. So what you need to do to correct for parallax error uh, with this camera, you need to make sure that instead of the dot in the middle of the viewfinder being in the center of where you want it, the dot in the middle of the viewfinder needs to be in the top right of where you want it to be, <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. So yeah, you have to move the camera to the, up and to the right in macro mode to make sure you're, you're gonna try and get a good image of what you want. The next mode along is landscape mode, which is uh, anything from two meters to infinity. The next one after that is the double exposure mode. So in this function, you can press the shutter twice to capture an artistic shot with two images in the same print. And this is something that a lot of old instant cameras are now being modded to do. Um, so it's kind of kind of a pretty cool feature in the in the camera. I had a few goes, but I've never really done double exposures before, so my results were a little bit dodgy, uh, it must be said. I think there is a knack to doing double exposures, which I certainly have not uh, mastered yet. I did do a couple, and I'll put them up on the website, and I'll talk about them in a bit. But I think, yeah, you need to sort of uh, maybe Google up how to do double exposures before you waste too much film doing them. The last two modes are a light mode and a dark mode for a, a high key and low key effects, or just in a situation if you know that, you know, you maybe took a photo, it looked a bit dark, and it was on auto mode, you'd put it into light mode um, to make sure you get a bit more, you know, light on the image and vice versa for the dark mode. Now under the mode button, as I said earlier, there is a self timer button which is pretty cool. You can put this, set it down somewhere or put it on a tripod and press the self timer button if you want to get in the photo. And underneath that is a flash override button. So this is another really cool feature of this camera. So just say you're in a restaurant or somewhere where you want to be a little bit discreet and you want to take a photo, but you don't want the flash going off, you know, or if you're doing a landscape shot and you don't want the flash to go off, you can press the flash override button and the flash won't fire, which is really good. I really like that. Now, speaking of the flash, there are three color filters that I talked about that fit snugly over the flash for artistic effects. Now, I didn't get great results with any of these little pieces of plastic. Um, now, if you took an image, if you put one on the front of, the, of the, the flash lamp and you were too far away from the subject, it didn't look like the filter worked. When used closer, they definitely worked, but pretty much the whole scene turned out into that color. So I took a photo of my friends in a restaurant. They're completely green. I mean, like massively green, not a little bit subtle green, hugely green. So I'm kind of thinking, why would you use these? Um, I mean, some people might love them. I'm not a big fan. You probably only really want to use these flash filters when you're in quite a brightly lit place anyway. And, um, you know, the flash can give it an extra shot of that, the color. So um, yeah, they're interesting, these little flash filters. I'm not a huge fan. 
especially when the film costs, you know, over $2 a shot here in Australia. It's not something you want to screw up and muck around with too many times at that price. So now I'm going to talk to you about the images that I took with the SQ6. Now picking up this beautiful stack of images, and that is one thing I love about instant photography. It's amazing to have a little stack of one-off images in your hand to shuffle through, hand around to your family and friends, talk about. Uh, I absolutely love instant photos, whether it's Instax, whether it's Polaroid, whether it's Peel Apart, doesn't really matter. I love them. So the first four photos here demonstrate to me that I actually bought this camera in early August, not early September. And the way I know that is the first four images were taken at the Royal Queensland Show. Uh, that's a big agricultural show that we have here in Brisbane. A lot of people come down from the country, bring their livestock for judging competitions, and there's a big, huge fun fair. And so one thing I've done here is I've taken three pictures of of rides at the fun fair. There's a beautiful blue winter sky in the background there, beautiful blue cloudless sky, and the colorful sort of rides take up um, the room in the bottom parts of the three images. So there's two of a Ferris wheel. I think it's actually two different Ferris wheels from memory. And the third one is like a chairlift spinny ride. Um, that's a te very technical term. And the one thing that I've learned uh, about taking instant photos, when you're shooting with a camera which has uh, an aperture of f12.6, you sort of learn to look for very simple photos and trying to design in your mind a very simple photograph. So this is why I've got an object, which is the, the Funfair ride, and I've tried to get a very plain background, which is the sky. You know, you can't shoot at f2 with these cameras, you can't blur the background, so you've got to look for other ways to make the images uh, look nice. And I think I've done that pretty well. I like these images of the Funfair. Now, the fourth one I took at the Royal Queensland show, uh, Cupid dolls are little frilly, spangly dolls they've sold at the show for decades. Uh, I think my mum used to get them when she was a little girl. And so these are, I, I took a picture of some pink Cupid dolls, and um, they have a kind of a bonnet on and a pink frilly dress. I took these photos, or I took, I think I took four photos of the Cupid dolls in macro mode. Now, on that day, I obviously didn't know what I was doing. I don't think I was, uh, I remembered about the parallax error issue. And so the one that I'll put up on the website was the best one I did. It's not very good though. I really, I don't know what I was doing that day. So that's just a word of warning about the macro mode. Remember about that parallax error. Otherwise you're going to waste some film. So the next stack I've got here, uh, there's two here of my wife and I. So these are the ones that I was talking about earlier, the two selfies. There's a lovely one, I think, with some blurred Christmas lights in the background. I really like that one. That was taken on auto mode. The one taken the selfie mode is a bit, uh, I think it was taken with a much faster shutter speed because you can see the twinkly Christmas tree lights in the background, but they're still. So, and, and overall the exposure does look a bit darker. So on this basis, I actually prefer the selfie taken in auto mode rather than selfie mode, but that could obviously depend on what time of the day and the lighting of, of where you're taking the photo. The next little stack I've got uh, of just some beach photos. I've got one taken on Karagara Island. It was pretty sunny this day. And my son's about to jump off some rocks. 
the image does look a little bit uh, I don't know a bit a bit a uh, little bit dark maybe uh, there's areas of uh, quite overexposure the the sun was very uh, bright that day so the sky is very white and but maybe you know where my sun is could have done with a bit more exposure but it's an okay photo I like it there's another one taken on Coochie Mudlow, which is a better sort of exposure. My two kids are playing in the beautiful clear water there at Coochie Mudlow Island, and there's a nice blue sky. I really like that one. And there's another one I took uh, in macro mode of some beautiful little beach flowers. These are like pinky purple beach flowers that you see uh, up and down Queensland's coast. You see them down the Gold Coast, and these ones were taken on Coochie Mudlow Island. So I think I did okay here with the macro mode. I wouldn't say I did brilliantly, but I think I did okay. To the next stack. So I've got two photos here um, of my friends. We went out to an Indian restaurant in Cleveland uh, a few weeks ago. Now, the first photo I took of my two friends, um, my, my friend John is actually holding up a little panda case, uh, like a lunchbox case, bit of an in-joke. Um, but I used the green filter over the SQ6, and you'll be able to see the exposure is super dark. The restaurant lighting was quite subdued. Uh, so this is just a word of warning here. If you're in a place with subdued lighting and you put one of these filters on, it's going to really knock, you know, a stop or two of light um, off your exposure and it looks really quite dark. So I'm not a huge fan of the, the lighting, um, the little light filters. The other one I took of um, uh, my friends, uh, John in there in the middle and then Ian and Emma, it was taken out with without the color filter and it looks great great exposure just exactly what you want the next stack of images i took in a japanese restaurant it sounds like i eat out a lot i i really don't that much but it's just probably a coincidence that i've got all these images so the first one is of my beautiful wife and my beautiful son and i took that quite close up i really liked that one it was quite dark in the restaurant but the flash illuminated them very nicely and i filled the frame with them and they look great there's another one of me and my daughter, my wife took. We haven't filled the frame as much because my wife took this photo. And there's, uh, you can sort of see a bit of, um, it's quite dark in the background, but me and my, my daughter are quite lit up quite nicely. So it looks pretty good. I then took two photos in the restaurant without flash. So it was quite dark inside. I took one of some lanterns um, at the edge of the restaurant with a window outside and it looks kind of cool and mysterious. And the other one is of the kitchen and the chef was in the kitchen there. I was trying to take a photo without him seeing me. I think I failed. It's quite a dark image, but it looks kind of mysterious and dark. You can sort of see him in the middle and there's some lights and you can see the bench, the sort of brown bench, the bottom of the image there where he cuts up all the food and does all that kind of stuff. Now, the last four images I have in the stack here. These are just kind of ones I took on a night out or an evening out with the family in Brisbane. So there's one of my son eating an ice cream, a blue ice cream. I don't want to think about how many additives and colorings were in that ice cream, but there you go. He seems to be enjoying it. There's another one of my son and my daughter I took. I'm pretty sure I used the flash for this one. Maybe I didn't because they're actually a little bit like ghost-like, a little bit blurry. So they must have used um, quite a short, uh, sorry, quite a long shutter speed on this image for my kids to be so blurry. Um, I can't remember the exact circumstances. Maybe I'd actually turned the flash off and that's why the camera had used such a, a long exposure, making them a bit blurry.
And the last two images I'm going to talk to you about are double exposures. So I did about four double exposures. These are the best two. Having said that, I don't think they're double exposure masterpieces. I think there must be a real knack to doing double exposures. So the first one is of my kids uh, against the black wall. The first time they were on the outer part of the photo frame and then they moved in closer to each other. And so there's two of my son and two of my daughter in the same photo um, just to try it out. It's okay. I don't think it's an award-winning double exposure. The next one is of just my son. I got him to stand against a white tiled wall, which had a lovely pattern on it. And then I got him to move over maybe, you know, a couple of feet. And in the image here, there's two of him in the image against this white tiled background. And the pattern of the tiles makes him look really kind of cool. I, I really like this one. Uh, so, yeah, I've had a lot of fun shooting with the SQ6. It's not cheap, but I, I do really love taking instant images with this camera. So how did the Fujifilm SQ6 shape up against my completely made up and arbitrary ratings? It did pretty well. The first rating is for usability and performance. This is how easy each camera is to use and how it handles while taking photographs. I thought the SQ6 did pretty well here. It's a quite a comfortable size. It fits in your hand. It's easy to grip. The only sort of usability issue I think it has is the shutter button. I mean, once you know where the shutter button is, you know where it is. But a few different people I handed the camera to were trying to press the on-off button on top of the camera. So that's probably a little thing there. But otherwise, I think it, it did pretty well. Um, the only other issue I had with it was probably a bit of my own fault, um, but it's something that many other people may make this mistake as well. And it's when taking the macro photos, you've got to adjust for that parallax error. So that's another thing there. You've got to remember, you've got to read the manual and you've got to work out how to do it. So I would give the camera 18 out of 25 for usability and performance. Features. What range of features does this camera have and how well do they work? I think uh, it's got quite a few different features for an instant camera. It's got quite a few different modes. It's got a lighten, it's got a darken, it's got the selfie, it's got the selfie mirror. You can turn the flash off, which is great. It's got a self timer. It's got a macro mode. Now you can't really combine the modes. Um, the only other thing that you can do is you can put it in any mode you like and you can turn the flash off. That's pretty much the only thing you, do, you can do. So I like it. I think it's got a good range of features, but I think there is definitely room for improvement. So I gave it 19 out of 25. Images. This is how happy I am with the images produced by the camera. This is not just a rating based on the quality alone, but also in terms of how much I love the images. So I've given it 19 out of 25 for the images, which is a pretty solid kind of uh, score. I really love having the little uh, prints, uh, the photographs in my hand. I think there's something wonderfully amazing about holding an instant photograph in your hand, whether it's a mini, a square, a wide or a Polaroid. I absolutely love having uh, instant photos. Um, I think majority of the photos, I'm kind of happy with but you know I don't think that the lens is that good on the camera so I think there is definitely um, you know an issue there if they had a much better lens on these Instax cameras I think they would be mind-blowing and amazing so as they are they're okay they're not bad but they're mainly for sort of snapshots really aren't they I wouldn't say they're they're amazing pieces of artwork so I'm going to give the images 19 out of 25 for the SQ6 the last rating is for fun. 
possibly the most important reason I love to take photos and collect cameras. How fun is the camera to use? Well, like all instant cameras, this one is a ton of fun. I've given it 22 out of 25. It's great having a group of people around. You know, as soon as you get this camera out, people are like, oh, wow, you're going to take a photo. I'd love to see it. And, you know, take my photo kind of thing. And kids also love instant cameras. They get a real kick out of seeing a print come straight out of the camera and holding it in their hand and watching it develop. So I think all instant cameras are fun. And this one is no different. That gives the Fujifilm SQ6 a very respectable 78 out of 100. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. What is the future of Instax? It makes a ton of money for Fujifilm, but here is a question I would love to know the answer to. Why hasn't Fujifilm created an arty version of the camera for photographers, something with a much shallower depth of field? I've seen cameras such as the Mint cameras and other modded cameras made by people like Instant Options, which take beautiful, amazing, crisp, instant photos with shallow depth of field. But why not Fujifilm? They make beautiful APS-C cameras, the Fujifilm X-Series range. They make beautiful medium format digital cameras, the GFX range. They have a proud legacy of making 35mm and medium format film cameras, some of which are absolute classics. You know, the Class S, the Class W, the TRR, the TX1, the GWGA series of medium format cameras. They have excellent reputation for their lenses. So it's just extremely puzzling to me as why they haven't gone down this route so far. Instax can be used for a lot more than just cheap consumer cameras. Uh, So I would love to see in the future Fujifilm really opening up the, the true potential of Instax with an amazing Instax camera. The only light on the horizon really was a recent interview uh, published in October 2018 on DP Review. The interview was with the general manager of Fujifilm's optical device and electronic imaging products division. There was a whole load of questions around all of Fujifilm products, um, but one of them was around Instax. And the question was, do you see opportunities for more Instax incorporation into your traditional camera lineups? And the reply was this, yes, Instax already becoming digital cameras. Maybe we should think about interchangeable lens Instax. One of the biggest features for mirrorless cameras are interchangeable lenses. So Instax is one of our opportunities. How amazing would that be? A new camera from Fujifilm that has uh, uses Instax. Uh, I'm not sure which format they're talking about there, but has interchangeable lenses. Even more than that, uh, the interchangeable lenses, how about interchangeable backs so you could put different backs on the camera like you could with the old film cameras you know a lot of the medium formats film cameras you could use you know a 120 back 220 back a polaroid back imagine a fujifilm camera where you could change out the backs from instax wide to instax square to instax mini and you could change the lenses out that would be incredible i'm not sure we'll see it anytime soon but who knows fingers crossed So what else have I been up to uh, since I last recorded an episode of the podcast? Well, my secret Santa person in the UK, she received the gift that I sent her, which is great. 
and she confirmed that she got it okay. Uh, I sent her um, four rolls of film. So I sent her a roll of Portra 400, Kodak Portra 400. I sent her a roll of vintage Ektachrome. So this isn't the new Ektachrome. This is vintage 1994 Ektachrome in 120 format. I bought about 15 rolls of it. Um, It cost me uh, over $120, I think. So it it did go get bid up quite a lot of money on eBay. Um, So I'm hoping that she gets some good results out of that. I did check with her before I put that in the package that she uses uh, or she likes expired film and she does. So I sent her that. I also sent her a roll of Ilford uh, Delta film and a roll of uh, Fujicolor C200 as well. As well as some little Aussie treats, I suppose you could say, I sent her a Cherry Ripe bar, which is one of the... um, Cherry Ripe is one of the chocolate bars we have over here that I don't think you get in many other parts of the world. It's a Cadbury chocolate bar, and it's dark chocolate and kind of cherries in the middle, funnily enough. And I sent her a couple of Caramello Koalas, which are little, like, Freddo-sized things. Um, They're shaped in the koala, and they have caramel in the middle. I also sent her some soap. It was Australian handmade soap. Uh, Very nice smelling. I think it was honeysuckle kind of scent. It was very nice. And I also sent her um, a Brisbane pen with some koalas over them, pink sort of cartoon koalas. So I hope that she liked her secret Santa present. I haven't actually received mine yet. I'm hoping it's either going to arrive today or early next week. Uh, The only information I have about it is that it's coming from America. That's all I know. My person hasn't reached out to me and told me anything else. There's no tracking information on there either. On Christmas Eve, I did, however, receive a little packet in the mail, a Christmas miracle. It was a beautiful photo book from Matthew Robert Joseph, his 2018 photo book. Matthew Joseph, of course, is also known as at Photo Dude NZ on Instagram. And it was lovely getting this in the mail. I really, really enjoyed it. There are some beautiful X-Pan images in here. He also has an image at the front of his one of his new cameras, which is the Fuji, one of the Fujifilm medium format ones. It is the GA645W, which looks like a bit of a beast. It looks amazing. I'm really interested in getting one of those Fujifilm uh, medium format cameras uh, and shooting some transparencies on it. I'm really looking forward to that in the future when I actually have some money because I'm kind of broke at the moment. But there's some beautiful images in this book. Um, A lot of them are the X-Pan images. Um, A lot of them are not the X-Pan images. So there's a real mix. Um, There's quite a few of my hometown of Brisbane because he did come up here during the year. And as I said, there's quite a few uh, really funny captions uh, and stuff. Um, So I really appreciate that. It's given me some future photo goals. Um, I definitely want to do a photo book in the future. I've got a couple of ideas for themes um, I want to do. And I'm just kind of, um, well, really now I just need to take some good photos that are worthy of printing in a book. So that's that's given me some ideas. Thank you so much uh, to Matthew for that. I've also been receiving the um, Christmas film delivery that I ordered in um, late November, early December. I mostly ordered uh, SX-70 and 600 Polaroid film as I didn't have much of that left. I had quite a lot of uh, 35mm and 120 film. So the only other sort of roll film I ordered was I ordered two boxes. I've got them right here, actually. 
two boxes of Kodak Professional Ektachrome Color Reversal Film. So this is the new Ektachrome E100 in 35mm format. So I've now got the new version. And in my fridge, I've got the vintage uh, old version, which cost me a bomb. Uh, and what else did I buy? I bought two more rolls of Cine Steel 800. I shot that for the first time recently, um, which will be coming up featuring in an episode of the show sometime. But I bought a couple more rolls of that as I'm keen to try that again. And what else did I buy? Uh, I just bought us some more Kodak Gold, I think, and a few other bits and bobs. Oh, and of course, as you probably know, if you listen to episode two, I bought my Polaroid Originals One Step Plus iType camera. Um, so I have been trying to play around with that. I've taken a couple of photos. Um, then I, I took, went to take some photos yesterday with it and the battery was flat. That's the problem with these new iType uh, cameras. You've got to remember to charge them. And I think I actually left it on. And I don't think... I could be wrong about this, but I, I think I left the camera on and when I went to use it next time, it was flat. So it mustn't be an auto power cutoff switch. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. But that was just a feeling I got. But I am looking forward to taking some more images with that. The only other thing I picked up this week, photography-wise, uh, yesterday I was at the shops and I bought an SP2 Fujifilm Instax Mini SP2 printer. Uh, it was $114 at a, at a shop called Harvey Norman, which is about half the price it usually is. I think the ticket price is $229 here in Australia, and it was $114 Australian dollars for a brand new SP2 printer. So I've got the SP1 printer. I didn't really need it, but you know, at that price, I bought it, and I'm going to get rid of my SP1. SP1 is a good little printer. Um, but the SP2 has got a few improvements, so um, it's a bit of a changeover in, in terms of money there, but it won't cost me too much, I don't think, once I sell the SP1. So I'm looking forward to using that. That's all for this episode of Matt Loves Cameras. I hope you have enjoyed the show. Just a reminder that you can see all of the images that I have spoken about today, along with the show notes and some links to other bits and bobs I spoke about during the show on the website, mattlovescameras.com. And you'll be able to see some of the images that I took with the Fujifilm SQ6 on the show's Instagram, at mattlovescameras. The next episode... I was hoping to have out before the end of 2018, but I think logistically it might be very early 2019. So the next episode, episode four, will be the Olympus LT1, which is a Mew one by any other name wrapped up in a fancy leather case. I've really, really enjoyed using that camera. I think some of the photos I took with it are wonderful. So I hope that you will subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or Podbean and join me next time. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Best wishes for the new year. See you next time. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Check the show notes for the link.